Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about beating yourself up. You are going to learn why you beat yourself up, where it probably started to become a habit, why it makes you play worse, and how to break the cycle of constantly berating yourself. But before we get into this episode, if you feel like you need one-on-one work on your mental game, that's what I do. Yes, I host this podcast, which I love, and I want to do it forever, but my actual occupation is working with players all over the world on their golf psychology. If you like these Golf Thought Thursday episodes, this is the exact type of stuff that I work on with my players. So if you'd like to take the next step to improve your mental game, then send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com, or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. Or if you'd like a less formal intro to mental coaching, don't even have to talk to me, you could take the mental game assessment. It's a free 15-minute questionnaire that will give you your mental strengths and your biggest area for mental improvement. Again, it's free, and it's a great resource to start working on your mental game. The link to everything that I've just mentioned will be in the show notes of this episode. All right, let's learn how to stop beating yourself up. When you hit a bad shot, what's your go-to response? Are you kind and forgiving, or are you self-deprecating and hurtful? If you're habitually mean to yourself, chances are you do it without even thinking about it. You hit a shot, and you immediately berate yourself for how bad that shot was. But even worse, you might tear yourself a new one for how bad you are. The tough thing about this is it actually feels like it works. It feels like you're doing something about how bad that shot was. By beating yourself up for a terrible shot, you feel like you're doing something about making it not happen again. Like it's some sort of, it's it's a feeling of control about uh, making that bad shot never happen again. If I can just tell myself strongly enough what I just did sucked, then I won't do it again. On an even deeper level, back when you were a worse player than you are right now, any amount of practice would be beneficial to you. You could go to practice and you'd get better just by banging balls for any amount of time. So when you beat yourself up on the course, it motivated you to get to the course and go work on your game. And because any amount or type of practice would help you get better, this method of berating yourself as a source of motivation worked. And this happens a ton with junior golfers. This would be like the the number one thing that junior golfers need to work on. I run about 25 junior tournaments every summer. As I'm recording this, this summer is wrapping up. So the the summer of watching junior golfers beat themselves up after bad shots or bad rounds is coming to a close. But I run scoring at these tournaments, right? So I, I sit in the scoring area when all of the junior golfers come in and <laughs> it's it's so funny. Every time they walk in, it's just this deep sigh. Wow, that was terrible. I played terrible. It was awful. I I need to get to the range. My swing sucks. I my putting, I couldn't get used to the greens. It's just constant self-criticism. And as a junior golfer, this works as a source of motivation. It's like if I don't beat myself up, then I'm not going to get to the range and I'm not going to work on my game. I'm not going to get better at putting. So I beat myself up. 
and it makes me go to the course. It makes, it feels like it works. And something we've learned in these Golf Thought Thursday episodes is that the brain's primary job is to keep you alive. It will do whatever it can to ensure that you survive whatever you're encountering. And if you remember from a past episode with Raymond Pryor, where he talked about setting things into set it and forget it mode, and how that makes survival much easier for your brain. So when something bad happens, your brain remembers what happened, what helped you survive that bad thing, and how to keep it from happening again. And to make this faster, it grooves the neural pathway so that you don't even have to think. You just do it automatically. So let's apply this to uh, this survival mechanism to golf, and specifically to us beating ourselves up, whether it's us or a junior golfer or us back when we were uh, worse at golf, right? So when something bad happens, we hit a bad golf shot, we beat ourselves up. That motivates us to go practice. So we get the reward of getting better at golf. So our brain says, cha-ching, success. We got a good thing into our brains. That means we survived the bad thing. So next time, when we hit another bad shot, we beat ourselves up because it worked last time. We go practice, get better, and cha-ching, success again. At this point, your brain is going to log beating yourself up as a thing that helps us survive. So it puts it into set it and forget it mode. Now you've got a solidified habit of beating yourself up whenever you hit a bad shot. And you do it without even thinking because it's just part of what your brain does automatically now. So you keep doing this and doing this. You hit a bad shot, beat yourself up because you think it works to focus or motivate you, and it does some, but not every time. And as you get better, it works less and less. Because the better you get, the more difficult it is to continue to get even better. In order to continue to improve, you need better practice. Not just any old practice will do anymore. Practicing from a source of emotion and revenge for bad shots isn't actually the best way to efficiently get better over time. Practicing in a more disciplined, systematic way is almost always the most efficient way to practice. And also, using beating yourself up as a way to focus is not the most efficient way because now you feel like you need to beat yourself up every time you hit a bad shot so that you can focus more on the next one, right? It used to work, and maybe it would lock you in just a little bit, just enough for that next shot, and maybe you hit a good one, but most of the time, hitting the next shot out of revenge for the last bad one is not a great source of focus. So now you've got a habit of beating yourself up, but it's not working anymore. It's not working like it used to. But because it's a habit, you still do it mostly without thinking. You hit that shot and you immediately come out of it. You go to the next shot still thinking about how bad that last one was. You get that same bad shot again later in the round, and you can't help but think about how bad this one might be. Needless to say, this isn't a very productive way to play golf. And what does this actually do to our golf game? Like, why is this actually bad? Why is this unproductive? What it does is it leaves us mentally going back and forth from past and future. We're never really present over a shot because we're always comparing that shot to how we wish it would have gone, why it didn't go like that one good one that one time, or how we can make it go good the next time. 
This past and future thinking means we're not present on the shot at hand. And we know that being mentally present is the way to play our best. There's been loads of studies on players or people that are present with what they're doing are happier and do it better. So don't take that from me. That's scientific research. When you're present, you will do it better and you'll have more fun. So you want out of this vicious cycle of bad shots, berating yourself, more bad shots, doubling and tripling down on beating yourself up, and before you know it, you're 12 holes in and your round is gone. We want out of that. But what always, what seems to always happen at the end of these rounds? You relax and you quit trying so hard and you just play the rest of your round and what happens, it almost always goes great. Because you finally let go of the need to hit perfect shots. So that's where our answer lies. At the end of those I surrender rounds. So how would you describe your feeling towards your golf game at the end of those rounds? Are you relentlessly harsh to yourself? Do you curse your game every time you hit a bad one? Probably not. You wake up to the fact that beating yourself up didn't work that whole time. You were just spending energy trying to wrestle your golf game into submission. You were too busy trying to be perfect instead of realizing that golf will never be perfect. So yes, the end of those rounds are blissful and often we play better, but we don't just want to play better at the end of rounds. We want to start and stay this way the whole round. So how do we channel that surrender mentality early on in the round? The way to wake up from the autopilot mode that your brain goes into when you hit bad shots is to simply be more mindful. Now, this sounds too simple, too easy, but this is our start. Just noticing what you're thinking goes a really long way to not being in autopilot mode anymore. This can be done before each shot, between shots, or even as something you do before you get out of your car when you get to the course. This is uh, an exercise that I like to share with my players. Setting the intention that you're going to be more aware of your own thoughts as you play. And you can set this intention when you pull up to the course and you're sitting in the parking lot in your car, you cut the car off, it's quiet. Before you get out and you just start going, you set that intention. You say, okay, uh, what am I going to be thinking today? What what? How am I going to have better awareness of what's going to happen today. So when you're about to hit a shot that you know you struggle with and your brain starts to rev up that self-criticism engine, you can notice this feeling rising as it's happening. You're no longer in mental autopilot for the shot. You're able to notice how your brain is processing and responding to the shot as it's happening. So setting that intention Before the round even starts, this is how I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to uh, watch myself, watch my own thinking. So that's just the first step. Simply noticing and observing what you're thinking. It's really simple. It's almost like too easy, right? But it's just simply, I'm I'm just observing what I'm thinking. And then to take that to the next step, you're going to give yourself forgiveness for hitting bad shots. So this would be, uh, we've met in the middle Right, so we were uh, we were at beating ourselves up, self full on self criticism, berating ourselves for bad shots. Then we go to the middle of okay, I'm just going to notice what my brain wants to do when we hit bad shots, or as I'm about to hit a shot. 
So now we're going to swing to the other side. We're going to give ourselves forgiveness for hitting bad shots. And this is much harder than it sounds. As we all know, trying to forgive ourselves for hitting bad shots is really difficult. We all want to hit great shots, and we tend to have very little tolerance for bad ones. But realizing that great shots are fun, but they can also be few and far between at times, especially on higher level of difficulty shots. Like, golf is hard, right? We all know that. It's, it's. Um, I, I don't know the quote, Ben Hogan, you know, says something like, I, I'm happy if I hit one perfect shot around or one great shot around, something like that. That's, we tend to hold ourselves to that standard of hitting great shots every time, but we know logically that's not the facts. That's not the truth. So we have to give ourselves forgiveness for when we don't hit great shots every time. So I've been reading a book called Radical Acceptance lately, and I love this little quote from from the book that describes why forgiving ourselves for bad shots is really difficult. The book says, Offering ourselves such care, like forgiveness, it might feel strange and unfamiliar at first. Sometimes extending compassion to ourselves in this way, it kind of feels downright embarrassing. It can trigger a sense of shame about being needy and undeserving. Shame about being self-indulgent, right? Like I, um, Josh again, this, like, I'm not allowed to be forgiving of myself, right? It feels like I'm giving myself too much credit. It would be self-indulgent of me to give myself uh, forgiveness. So back to the quote. But this revolutionary act of treating ourselves tenderly can begin to undo the aversive messages of a lifetime. So that's pretty heady. But those aversive messages of a lifetime are the habits that we set in place way back when. Remember, we talked about setting and forgetting the the set it and forget it mode of of habits. That's those messages of a lifetime that we've set in, and they're aversive, right? Being able to undo these over time by being more forgiving to ourselves is the way to untangle these old set it and forget it habits. So now you're able to go to the course, set your intention to be aware and forgiving, and play your round of golf while being more present shot to shot. And when you're more present, you're stacking the deck in your favor. You're giving your physical game the best opportunity to show on that shot. And a round made up of those is probably going to be better than a round full of trying and forcing and making and steering and criticizing and berating and self-flagellating. Beating yourself up feels like it works, but if you look at your own evidence, you know it doesn't. You can step out of that habitual self-criticism through being aware and forgiving. You'll most likely play better, and even if you don't, you'll probably enjoy the round way more. All right, everyone, hope you learned a thing or two about why beating yourself up hurts your game and how to step out of habitually self-deprecating. If you like this episode, you'll probably like my conversations with Dr. Raymond Pryor, as I mentioned. Our first conversation is titled Golf Beneath the Surface with Dr. Raymond Pryor. It was released back on February 14th of 2022. I think that's Valentine's Day. That's a that's a sweet, uh, sweet episode to happen on that day. <laughs> 
Highly recommend you go check that out as well as any of the other three episodes that I've had with Dr. Raymond Pryor. Those conversations are kind of my biggest hits, right? They they tend to get uh, the most listens, and I think that's just the way that he resonates with people. I know he's resonated with me, so I, I highly recommend you go check those out. I know you'll enjoy those. And as I always mention at the end of these episodes, what you've heard isn't therapy. It's meant for information and education purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to go talk to a licensed professional. But on the golf psychology front, if you feel like what you've heard doesn't quite cut it and you'd like to work one-on-one with someone, I'm a golf psychology coach. I work with players all over the world on improving their minds so they can improve their performance on the course. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com, or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. Or again, if you'd like a less formal intro without even needing to talk to me at all, you could take the mental game assessment. It's a 15-minute questionnaire that will give you your mental strengths and areas for improvement. That's free, takes you about 15 minutes. It's like 100 questions. Uh, it, it's, um, it's really good. I've got a lot of good feedback from those. The link to everything that I've mentioned will be in the show notes of this episode. All right. Thanks again to everyone who listens to the mental golf show, whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community that you have been a part of building. If you've learned something on this episode, go subscribe and leave a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Maybe mention the biggest thing you've learned listening to the podcast underneath those five stars. And I'd love it if you shared this episode with a friend who inconsolably tears themselves a new one every time they even slightly miss a shot. I hope that's not you, but share this with the person that does that. Okay, thanks for listening to The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.